Gary, your voice sounds like leadership. Thank you. And your shoulders seem to go on for days. I know. I hope we're rolling because this is important. We're rolling in the back. And I want to start with that. And thank you for that. I don't even know how to put a... I don't even know what that color is, but it makes me feel like the world is so <laughs> fucking possible and extra. This was a Christmas gift to my son that he didn't like. He didn't like the color, <laughs> so we're the same size. So I go, I'll How old is your it. son? 20. Okay, he's a big kid. Yeah, he's 6'4". I noticed so. one thing about you, because I'm a little bit gay, uh, you've got some arms on you, and you were a Marine. No, I was in the Navy. All right, well, you're in the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me start. That's not as much. Sorry, Gary. I, let I me just... start by saying Brian Callen is my guest this week. Yes. And he just came right in hot. Hot. <laughs> and on time. Yeah. I said, uh, hey, can you be here at 10? And literally, I looked at my phone. It said 10. And Brian just walked in. Strolled in whistling. Ready to go. Yeah. He yeah. said, I got to take a piss. Gotta, and then you're going. I, I got to piss. Well, who, what were we talking about right before we started? So hold on. Let's talk about this on the air. Uh, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Did you do Columbus or I did Ohio Cincinnati? and I did Cincinnati. I did both. And they were talking about me? Yeah, Good. well, yeah. But you, you know, what's funny is that, first of all, Ohio doesn't get its due as a state. It doesn't get its due in terms of the cities you don't think about and the history of Ohio, which, which I'm not going to go into because everybody will fall asleep. But, but it's just like Cincinnati, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. What else? Cleveland. Cleveland. Toledo. <clears throat> These are cities you hear a lot about. That was rude. Sorry about you that. You know what I'm saying? My fault. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. We kind of, it's our own bubble, but if you ask stand-ups, I don't know many stand-ups that don't like doing Cleveland, Cincinnati, or Columbus. It's great. Because people come out and they're ready to laugh. And they're happy that you're there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I swear to God. Like Cincinnati and Cleveland are those places where people go, hey, thanks for coming all the way out to Cleveland. Like they, I know. They, I, it's always weird when they say that, like, hey, man, thanks for coming. Yeah. And when you, ask when, when you ask people where they're from, when they're from Cleveland, they go like this. They go, Cleveland. Like, they, like oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's so funny. I, it wasn't my fault. My dad yeah. I'm from my mommy. Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, Cleveland. But Pittsburgh's more like Pittsburgh. Like, say something, I'll punch you in the face. I'm working class. Well, they... You bounce off your uh, your sports teams when you yeah, got yeah. pride in your pro teams. Yeah. You know, Cleveland, they were fun. they're doing better now with the Browns, but for a long time, even with their basketball team, they just couldn't get it right. The no. Indians, I was like this. The, ooh, the Indians, like, huh? It's not even the Indians anymore. They're going to change the name. <laughs> of course they are. That's the world we're living in. With. I, I think don't know. Columbus has, Ohio, Ohio State's the one thing that brings the entire state together. Like, Cleveland doesn't like Cincinnati. Yeah. And vice versa. But on Saturdays when Ohio State plays, the whole state oh, comes man. together. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, Columbus is super woke, too, in parts of it. Mm. You oh, know the, what I mean? you, so you watched the, uh, you did watch the Jeffrey Epstein story. I, I, I watched a little of that. <laughs> and I, I got to say, what's the big deal? I was watching it and I was like, and I was like, and I was watching and I was listening to the girl. And then, then you, you get into it and you go, oh, this guy. Yeah. But I think he, I don't know. But he I, had the big, he was the big house in Columbus. I don't remember that. I didn't watch the whole thing. Oh, I did. I was, I remember watching it going, dude, even R. Kelly's going, you're doing too much, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it going levels. <laughs> Level, levels, bro. <laughs> Although the places like Columbus, Kansas City, when you go there and you go, why don't I, why don't I move here? Because there's a lot to like about them. However, super gray. Rainy. Yeah. Just, you know. I lived in Cincy for 14 years. You did. Why I was a comedian. Not like I grew up there, but then I came to California, chased the dream. Yeah. And then we moved back because I was familiar. I knew the schools. So my kids were growing up there. So right. 
I I don't have any regrets. I liked it there. Yeah, I like. But it. I'm comedian. We you know we could live anywhere because we travel so much. Anywhere. I, I that, that's remember when George Clooney in that in that movie Up in the Air and and he's he has a million he reaches a million miles on American Airlines or something. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And so he travels. That's well, all he does in his whole life is nothing. And the <clears throat> Sam Elliott Elliott plays the pilot, and he looks at him and he goes, "Where are you from?" And Clooney goes, "Up here." And I was like, and when you ask a comic sometimes, after a while, it's like, I'm from the road, man, in a lot of ways. When I'm not on the road, my kids keep me grounded, but I miss the road. Well, my kids thought I was a pilot because they used to drop me off at the airport when they were babies. That's, and they see the plane and go, that's what my dad does. I go, I'm just going to let you ride with that. Wow. <laughs> Dad's going to work yeah. at the airport. Yeah. because Here's a funny George Clooney story. I just went to my aunt's house over the holidays. And she got married in 1980 or 81. Mm. And I'm looking through her wedding album in Cincinnati. There's an 18-year-old George Clooney at her wedding. No. And I go, is that George Clooney? She goes, yeah, he was dating one of my girlfriends at the time. Nobody knew who he was. He was 18. I go, holy That's shit. That's fucking crazy. And then here I am. You just see half of my face in the picture. I go, so I've been close. <laughs> I go, I told her, I said, who knew? Who knew? You had two of us. That's your way. Two celebrities. One kind of celebrity, but the other one celebrity. Let me tell you, he was attractive then. Of course he Even was. Even 80, 81, yeah. he had the part down the middle, hair feather back. Yeah, and a cool and he had guy. A build on him. Yeah, I know girls who've dated him. He's, a, he's, he's a, an amazing guy. Oh, by the way. Oh, how plays, about the, plays basketball. He's a dude. Oh, super talented, smart as shit. Well, how about uh, Gabe's 14 of his best friends, a million dollars? Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Huh? Hey, you got that debt? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I wish I had money like that. I would do that. I do it anyway. Like I have certain people on my payroll. Like I, I went. I'm going to. I went through this divorce, and uh, and it was all amicable. But when you break that up, you you see where the money is spent. And mm. my ex was like, "What's what is this? What are these charities? You know, like." But I I feel better about the world if I can help a 90-year-old man pay his cable bill. Yeah. You know, little things like that. But that's all I you have. You a 90-year-old guy on your payroll? 91. Who is that? And what does he I, do? Well, I don't want to out him, but he's an amazing guy. Oh. He's a national treasure to me. Oh, he's okay. a man who at 91 still has passion for what he does. Hmm. And I think that's important. Even though he's not necessarily working or successful, he's still writing his screenplay. He's still trying to be in acting class even through COVID. No Like, that's shit. a big deal to me. And that's a beautiful human being. That's, uh, I'm assuming it's a neighbor. No, it's somebody I'd, I'd been in acting class with for a hmm. long time. That's and I realized, that they were, I realized that they were not able to go to a movie because mm -hmm. they had to, they were living off their pen pension. Uh -huh. And it was nothing. And, you know, it's, when, when you see somebody who's, let's say, 89 at the time or whatever he was, and he was terrified about finding a place to live. Mm -hmm. He couldn't find a place to live at 89. Mm -hmm. and, and we think, well, I'm old and it doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters a lot because he's incredibly lucid. Mm -hmm. that, that kind of stuff to me is unacceptable. Hmm. I, I don't thought know. of it like that. I don't know what, yeah. Well, none of us want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. Well, you like, hope I, there's people around like yourself that actually, when you are that age, because sometimes I'll, I'll be on the road and I'll see like just an old person in a bucket, like a beat yeah, up bucket. Man. And I'm going, man, they can't start over. They can't start over and they're lonely. That's the yeah. other thing that people never think about is like, 
that that when you get when you get really old, you get you lose your relevance and all your friends die. Yeah, and yeah. that and, and you're lonely. You're just it's lonely. like that when you whenever you see like a teenager die, and obviously before COVID, but the funerals be packed. Yeah, to the gills, and then you realize the older people get when they die, the smaller the funeral is. You ever go like like when my grandmother died? Yeah, I assumed the church is going to be packed, mm-hmm. and then we got there. It was like forty people. That's right. It was just. Everybody I see at the little family functions was the only people she had left in the world because she outlived there, but she was like pushing 90. If you get into that stuff, it changes your political philosophy. Like I, I'm, I've always been, I love, I'm a capitalist. I believe in the marketplace. I believe in, in freedom of expression and all the things that kind of America's about. I'm, a, I'm, I'm probably in some ways, I'm, I'm a libertarian in, in, in terms of I like the idea of a smaller government. However, however, there are issues that be, and that's because I've never really needed help. And mm-hmm. when you see like, there's this uh, Netflix documentary called Unnatural Selection. And there are these very rare diseases where people are suffering all the time and they do have therapies for it, but they cost million dollars. They cost a million dollars. And if they don't get help or somebody doesn't help them or the government doesn't do something about it, they die or they suffer really badly. I don't want to live in a world like that. I don't like seeing it. I wanted to turn it off. You know, I want, What's they, this called? It's called unnatural selection. We are on the verge of creating th- synthetic biology and therapies that are going to push us way beyond our biological limits. Hmm. And that's a fact. And things like you see people in wheelchairs because they have spinal bifida and stuff. Those things are going to be a thing of the past. They're coming up with these incredible drugs. And, and you know, cancer, as you and I know it, in 20 years is going to be... It, you're not going to see, we made huge strides in childhood cancers and things like that, but mm. they're expensive as fuck. Mm-hmm. And so as you get into it, if you get into it and you see these advocates, these, and what's funny is that you see these advocates and they, they might be liberals or they might be left-wing people, but they're also people who don't have any money and they just, they have an organization that's trying to make drugs affordable for those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Say what you will, but they're, they're kind of angels. Yeah. So it gets so complicated. Yeah. Anyway, I've just been going through this this transformation in my mind, especially since the world's on fire. Jeez, and it, yeah, you got deep quick. I thought we were just going to talk about the funny bone. I get we fucking on right deep, along. bro. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. I want to start with the backstory mm. of how I got in Brian Callum's lexicon again about a year and a half ago. Yes, was my wife got racially profiled at on Delta? Yes, right. She was in line, first class. And the guy at the Cincinnati airport, like, called her out. Like, man, this is first. And she goes, yeah, I'm, I am in first. He goes, can I see your ticket? Shows her the, the guy the ticket. Doesn't cause a fuss. And, I'm, and my wife, you know, she's not one to make a scene, not one to say it's because of race ever. But she just stood there and went, it's all white dudes in line. And why did he only ask me? And I'm like, the fourth one line. I wasn't first. So she goes, are you going to ask anybody else? And he was like, no. She goes, why not? He goes, because I don't have to. <gasps> and then when he... Uh, That's so crazy. And then when was he, this 1971? Was it 1961? No, this is in March. It'll be two years. You know what I mean? And then when she gave him the ticket to actually board the plane, he goes, oh, yeah, I wasn't profiling you either. <gasps> like, he said Dude. it. She goes, I didn't say anything. So, man, I just went and did a social media post. Yeah, I remember. And that's when you guys got wind of it and asked me. I remember you and uh, uh, Brendan was like, what's really going to come of it? Well, we did get a a small gift from Delta, very small. And uh, But I remember you, you said, 
yeah, I've heard that guy's difficult to work with. Right. And I, and then I immediately <laughs> felt terrible because, yeah, but go on. Because I, and I, then I, I said, I remember watching it going, well, in my brain, I was like, he got that from one person or one manager because of, of if, I, if there's 52 weeks in a year and I probably do 35 you weekends of comedy You were the worst person clubs. to say that about because it was so not true. You were the worst. Like I said that because one person said it, but I don't even know if they they were talking about you. When 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 it came all back, I remember how how I, I think I apologized fifty times on the podcast. I wasn't upset ever, but I was. I know, but because, I wasn't mad. I was I, laughing about because it. everybody likes you, and you're the exact opposite of that. I'm yeah. the same way. Yeah. So all of a sudden I went, I just used my platform to say something about a guy. And then I found out you were like a veteran. Then I found out you're just a good guy. Everybody likes you. And I was like, I, I broke my own rule to ever say something like that with zero evidence because somebody <laughs> said a story. And I, you know, by the way, you might've been having a day where you were like, no, I don't even remember the story. It was something about you yeah. not wanting to go out because they were I can't remember, but I don't think I like go on stage. My guess is they may not have been. They may have gotten you confused, or I got the name confused. I can't remember, but to to say that without any evidence on the fighter and the kid, because mm -hmm. you forget that it's got to reach. You just do. You're just talking. It's probably Gabriel Iglesias. I heard he's difficult to work with. <laughs> Let's spread rumors. <laughs> Let's spread some serious just rumors. Get everybody. Upset. It, was Ke it was Kevin Hart. And, yeah, uh, definitely yeah. fluffy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Could, I, you know what? I take it back. It was probably Tiffany Haddish. That's probably who you heard that about. I love Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it actually, it's weird how everything comes full circle because I go on your podcast and, you know, we had a good time and it was like a couple months later I came on. And then that's how I got introduced to this studio. Right. It's the first time I was here. Talk to the guys behind the scenes, and it really look how it came from. Certain now, I have yeah. a podcast at the same place. And the reason I really came on is because you said because of me. I'm difficult to work with, and I kept saying, "Gary, I'm sorry. Come on the yeah. podcast." I think I texted you or I tweeted <laughs> yeah. at you or something. I DM'd you, and we exchanged info. Right, and then uh, I was like, "I'm sorry, dude." Yeah. So thanks, Delta. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, racist ticket agent at Delta. Oh Jesus! Well, Got you're podcasting of it. What do you think of? Um, it, what's funny is that I travel this country a lot, and I, I'm because I'm a white dude or whatever. I, I I always contend that I don't have any friends that are quote unquote racist, and I don't see it. Mm -hmm. I don't see it. Mm -hmm. But then I'll talk to like my, my buddy Kenny, who I grew up with, who's black, and and he. I said, "What would you say if I said?" I don't think America's that racist. And he said, I'd, I'd say you're more intelligent than that. And he's not a guy who ever, he yeah. never, ever, I've never once heard him, he's a businessman, once say, oh, that's, this, that, that was racist. He's, he's not like that. He's too, mm -hmm. he's too independent and too macho to do something like that. It's the other thing I noticed whenever I talk to black men mm -hmm. about race, they, because they're dudes, they're like. Well, our job uh, as white men mm. and white people in general isn't to try to figure out, our job is to listen. Yeah, that's all we can do. Cause yeah. I'll never know what it's like. And even having mixed kids, mm. my interaction, I just gotta listen. I can't. I don't know. Yeah, I can I don't give. Either. I can give my sons all kinds of advice of how to talk to the police, how to talk to strangers. People do a double take. Everything I said, but the main thing I just gotta do is, especially with my daughter. My daughter's gonna be the activist in the family. Oh, she is. Oh, she's at she's at a HBCU right now, and she is in full swing. Yeah. Right. She's gonna be the. I went to a Black Lives Matter march, and she was starting the chants. And where the fuck did she get a megaphone? 
It's <laughs> <laughs> like when she whipped out the megaphone yeah. and was just starting, I was like, whoa, not trying to cite a riot. She just yelling shit out, getting the crowd fired up. And I go, who is this person? Yeah. So my job is to step back and just support things that are important to her. Right. Listen. So when you're talking to your friend mm. that's black, my thing is I just listen. Yeah. And I think even in my act, I um, everybody knows I do a lot of racial jokes. But I think I've done a good job of not doing stereotypical racial jokes. And also, um, I can push the envelope without going too far. Yeah. And I don't say, like, black or white people, it's better or worse. It's just we do do things different. Yeah. And it doesn't mean one's white, one's right, one's wrong, or one's yeah. better or worse. We just we do shit different culturally. Right. And that's what I've done a lot of, I try to do in my act, is yeah. bring light to it. Instead it of just feels like it so there's. Serious. It feels like there's. There we've made a lot of progress, and even Obama said that at Howard. Like there's been a lot of progress made, and to say that there isn't is not really a service to people that worked really hard to make a change, mm -hmm. which I haven't. But you know, but certainly my kids are growing up without any prejudice. That's just a fact. It, it, it's it's just is. I mean, if you mm -hmm. ever said anything, I have a nine year old and twelve year old, and that I think that debate overall has been one. I know that there are people would say, well, it's 70 million Americans and, but the debate, the, 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 I, I feel like the argument, I don't think anybody serious who has a brain would say something that, that would fall into the category of old school racism. Mm -hmm. you, you, you're of color. So therefore your potential is not as great as, as X. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's, uh, that's such an outdated argument. You know, it's such a, and, and whether people feel that in their heart or not is a different story. But what I find, what I, I think the, the conversation and the problem has become more nuanced. But I don't it's also, a, it's a class thing too. It's a class thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's money. Because I remember I was talking, my dad was a FedEx driver for 30 years and he had to deliver mail to a damn near Section 8 housing mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me how it just, he tried to get in, get out of the buildings. Sure. And he had to deliver. And he goes, he, and he said to me, he goes, thank God I was delivering first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. He goes, because nobody was up. Yeah. He goes, and, and I, even if I had to knock, he goes, it was, <laughs> he goes, even the knock, he said, it was like, who's there? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, wasn't yeah. like, hey, how's it going? It was like, why are you knocking on my door? Yeah. The tension was high. And I told him, I like, I had to tell my dad, I go, now imagine me, I'm raised in that. And you don't have an outline. You're a little kid. The stress. And, and the even fear. school isn't a release because right. your school might be worse sometimes. That's right. I go, can you imagine me on raising that? So before we jump on somebody for being this way, let's take a step back and why are they that way? Yeah. Because well, I, 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 yeah. I was talking to somebody and they said, think about one person you dislike in this world, like that's done you wrong, and then just go back and pitch them as like a three or four year old kid. Mm -hmm. And you, Something's going on in a kid's life. You just want to hug him mm -hmm. and be like, "Dude, it's mm -hmm. you know it'll get better." But if you don't have anybody to do that, it's just yeah, the older man. you get, it, it worse it, it perpetuates. Gets. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a complicated issue. You man. can talk about it all day, but the, and nobody has the, the. There's no magic pill. And there's nobody has the out and out answer. My favorite is to watch. I like watching debates uh, between black conservatives and black liberals. I do it all mm -hmm. the time on YouTube. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's the American experiment. It's part of the American diet. We're in. I don't know that America's ever been different in that sense. We've always had these tensions. We've always mm -hmm. had these debates. It's always been this constant, you know, battle place of ideas and. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next four years. Now that everything is 
blue across the board in the power structure. Yeah. I want to see I want to see what happens. I'm I'm very curious to see whether things get better, whether things stay the same, whether things I'm very worried that I'm really worried that we're because uh it's easier to get the information you want to hear that yeah. confirms your feelings to begin with. Right. That that we are going to be ever more split to the point where we're headed toward irreconcilable sort of divisions. I'm I'm terrified yeah. of that. I don't Especially think it's ever been any social different. media. Yes. And it's a lot different now because you can find <clears throat> like-minded folks, whether you're right or wrong, Dude. on the other part of the country, and you're like, all right. <laughs> so I'm not the only one thinking this way. No. I, I see it a lot on Facebook with older people that kind of stuck in their ways, yeah. so to speak. And uh, you'd be looking, and you'd be like, God, they have the same 15 people liking their posts. It's the same 15. I know. And if you ever come in and challenge their way of thinking, they go on the attack because they're, they're stepping back they're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fear does weird things too, because if you, we start breaking people into groups, that's why I hate, I don't, that's, that's my fear of identity politics in general, mm -hmm. because you'll, you'll, you'll force people to, to, because they get scared and then they start to think they get into that siege mentality and then they'll tribe up. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we want that shit. None mm -hmm. of us do. None yeah. of us. We're, I was just at uh, the Visani Theater, which, have you ever done that place? Mm -mm. It's where's really it, good. It's in Port Charlotte, Florida. I never heard of it. I haven't either. It's, I haven't heard of Port it's Charlotte. It's an Italian, it's a theater, but it, they have this sick Italian food at it. But it's an amazing theater. It's like this, what's it near? it's what's like a castle. City? Uh, Fort Myers. Dude, you gotta do it. Is, so is it near I'll Marco tell Island? No, it's maybe, but it's on the Naples? West Coast. Yeah, it's like an hour from Naples. Huh. And, and like an hour and a half from Tampa. It's, it's a, south of Tampa, but it's between Fort Myers and Sarasota, I think. Sarasota, uh -huh. But it's a great theater. And um, uh, what was I saying? What, what were we talking about? We were talking about politics. He was in Port Charlotte, uh, tribing up. Yeah. People were scared. I don't remember now. Um, but where the theater had great food. Maybe you're yeah. breaking off into a food discussion. Uh, <laughs> well, there are alligators everywhere, and that's the point I'm making. And it's really afraid, scary because there are swamps, and if you, I would never stop and take a pee on the side of the road because the forests have goblins in them. Florida's wild, man. Florida never really shut down. No, they don't give a shit. That place is like that's political. I, I, I got up on stage and I went, "You guys don't give a shit about COVID, huh?" It's like you got 80 year olds without masks. And they were like, "Ah!" And it was kind of a, it was almost like, it almost turned into a Trump rally. <laughs> that was my first uh, road gig. Like, March, the country shut down. And then it was either late June or early July. I took a stab at going back on the road to see if I was comfortable. And yeah. I went to the West Palm Beach Improv. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe. I was, because, you know, I was in California the whole time. Pack it in, baby. I was like. They pack it in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I came in freaked out. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, these they don't have masks on. Bars were open. It's a political statement. It's it's like defiance. It's almost like it's almost like um, they told me to wear a mask. I'm an American. I ain't doing it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's it's a really it's it's a it's almost it became political. Well, it's almost like when they tell you to wear a mask, right? When majority of people say wear a mask, going to help you. Uh, it's it goes back to almost like the vaccine now. I know. Like do you, I I can't wait to get it. Me too. And. Even Chris I had, Rock. I had COVID, but yeah. I did too. I didn't get on Facebook and say, pray for me. <laughs> I kept it in-house, quiet. Just take pictures of yourself. Oh, I got so pissed at my road manager. My road manager caught it and uh, immediately went to Facebook. Hey, could you guys pray to get this COVID oh, out of my system? On, and I went, 
I called him. I said, you in the hospital? He goes, no, nah, I'm in line at Chick-fil-A. I go, why the fuck you on Facebook asking for prayers? <laughs> Look, you attention seeker. <laughs> Suck it up. Right. Walk it off, you bitch. <laughs> Fucking rub some dirt on it. I was like, now the clubs are calling because you're yeah. always with me. Yeah. I go, I've already had it and it's gone. I'm good. <laughs> I can go back on the road. Now they don't know if anyone, because Brad got it. Brad's yeah. been with me for like 11, 12 years. Right. So they're like, Brad got it. He got it from Gary, which he did. Probably did. But he got it like a week later. It was already out of me. So he couldn't go on the road with me for like a month. I caught it. But I caught it in, in Texas where they just packed San Antonio. It yeah. They I was like, there two weeks after you. They were like, well, the laws are 200 people. 400. Yeah. <laughs> and you just, you'd come off stage and they're like, ah! And you're just walking through a COVID cloud. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, now that I have it, I feel invincible. Yeah. It's weird. Did you, was it bad or Dude, what was? I have to be honest. It humbled me. Oh, you, it, it got you pretty good? It sat me down. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I'm the kind of guy, I'm like, I'm sick. I had, I had swine flu. That was so bad. I was performing. I was performing with the flu. I could, you know, when you, you can't have trouble standing up, I was like, watch this, you know, and then it just sat me down. But, COVID is weird because you feel generally shitty, right? But for me, I call she's my she was a cruel mistress, Madam COVID. She was a cruel mistress because <laughs> she was like, "Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna I'm gonna go after your calves and your hammies if you don't mind. Yeah, you take a seat. You, get, you hurt there? Oh, dude. Oh, oh, shut me down. And then she was like, "You know what? Why don't we Why don't we hit your ass and your lower back right now? Because you seem a little too flexible for me, and it's <laughs> pissing me off." And so that seized up for about three days. <laughs> then my back and my head, like the back of my head, it was so weird. And then the front of my head, then my whole head, and then and then week two, she decided to get in my lungs. We was two, like, you had it for like two weeks? I had it for 19 days, brother. Like feeling like shit 19 days or tested negative? Like feeling like shit and coughing, like coughing, coffee, cough, cough, where I had to go on an inhalable steroid. Really? Yeah, and that, that cured me. Did you feel like shit or did it just get real fucking hot in here? <laughs> I produce heat. <laughs> I'm like this. Yo, as you're talking about COVID, you're I can fever. feel the heat coming on. I'm like, yo, he's getting is this fever. COVID talk or this heater's hot as fuck. Yep. <laughs> he's getting it. He's getting a fever. Well, you had it worse than me. Because it was, I'm talking, I had one night of bed sweats. Yeah. Some and people. I, I caught it. I don't know where I caught it, but I felt it in Phoenix. Wow. And I was like, and I was literally, I was damn near following you. For like three weeks, like yeah. you were in San Antonio and I was, I was in Phoenix three weeks after you. Wow. And you should just tell me that so I can tell them that you, to come see you. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, good they, they, as soon as I got real. there, they go, we've heard you're hard to work with. Every club, I was like, why did San Antonio <laughs> go that way? <laughs> Gary, uh, Gary Owen, very funny. Hard to work with, but very funny. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you come see him. If he didn't sell tickets, we would never bring him. He's abusive <laughs> to everybody. He hits. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with the back of his hand. He he'll only tips on Sunday to the green room waitress. <laughs> and then the he'll fuck? paintbrush your face. Bang, yeah. bang. <laughs> no. no, I had the bed sweats. And then <clears throat> I just remember I was in denial. Like I was like this. Ah, I say definitely not COVID. Def I'm just sick. And then yeah. I got tested. I was positive. God, and I had to call everybody. And oh, everybody yeah. came back positive. Oh, Everyone man. I called, really? I was like, yo, get checked. Get checked. Get checked. Everybody. And then the one guy... That said he wasn't. He goes, I'm good. No, I feel great. I'm sorry. Well, I got to take a week off, and then I'm going to get tested before I go back on the road. Took a week off, went to Cleveland, and I told the guy, I said, now I'm negative, but I don't know what the deal is, so we got to wear a mask in the green room, right? Right. That lasted about a day. This dude flicks it off. All oh, of a sudden, we're in Columbus, Thursday night in Columbus. He goes, 
we had two shows. He gets done with the first show, and he's literally in the corner. You've been, you've been to Columbus, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green room's kind of small. Yeah. I'm on the couch. <clears throat> he's on the chair by a little mini fridge. Lean over the fridge. Oh, no. <laughs> I go, dude, you got to go home. He goes, no, I can finish this last show. I go, I'll do a one-man show. You got to go. You got it. He yeah. goes, no. Then he tells me, dude, I almost passed out. I'll say, I go, you got to go home now. Yes, super spreader. Right. The and fuck out of here. Sure enough, he called me. Dude, I got it. He had to like, I said, I told you. So I clearly gave it to him at some point. Yeah, you did. Well, you, you know? don't know, though. It's it, it, People catch it in the weirdest ways. They're mm. super careful. They come down with it. So we don't know. I think we're going to find out in five years how the shit was spread. Because there's a, it can probably spread in a thousand ways. But that, that reminds me of my friend one time <clears throat> called me up. And he goes, hey, man, uh, do you know anything about, like, uh, it's weird, like, when I pee. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure I don't have anything, but you ever had a situation where it kind of, I'm like, does, does, it it, does it burn a little bit? He goes, no, no, it doesn't burn. It just feels a little weird. That's all. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> Go, probably got yourself some chlamydia or gonorrhea. He goes and gets tested. Comes back. He goes, yeah, man, I got it. I got it. And my heart's beating really fast. I go, I don't know. You know just take a pill or something. And then uh, he goes, yeah, that's not something I'm worried about. I've got to call some people. And I go, <laughs> and I go, well, you definitely got to call some people because if a woman has it, she may not know she has it and she can go sterile. So you got to call. You have to. Oh, wow. And so he goes, yeah, yeah, I will. I, um, it's just that, it's, uh, and I go, what's the matter? He goes, I just, I, it's more than one. And I go, <laughs> well, how many is it? And he goes, I got to call six girls. <laughs> and he had to call all six of them. Ugh. Hey, just so you know, you might want to go get tested. Well, how long ago was this? I know those diseases are still out there. Fucking you went old school. 15 years. <laughs> yeah, but I was just thinking about how COVID's become the new gonorrhea. Facts. Any yeah. other thing you're relieved? Dude. And, and they, the, the scare tactics, if you watch TV, because they'll, as soon as it happened in March, said down the country, I go, first time a teenager catches it and dies, they're going to freaking see, they're going to go, oh, see? Yeah. Yeah. First time a fully healthy trainer gets it, yeah. see? Yeah. I go, they're going to scare the shit. And I, I bought in the first couple months. I did. Yeah. And then I talked to a lot of people who worked in the medical field. And I called everyone healthier than me. I called Romney Malco and this girl named Margot Bing. Anybody I'd worked with in the past that right. I was like, oh, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And they told me what to take to boost my immune system. I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm ready. I think that's why I, I shook it so fast. Because the guy in Columbus. Yeah. Was a fried food, <laughs> drinking he motherfucker. Down. He went down. He went down hard. Yeah, man. I'm like, yeah. I'm over taking vitamin D. Yeah, but I was doing that shit, and it still got me. Believe me, I do all that. That stuff. means you would have been dead. Oh, I'm, just, I'm dude. Up, I'm vitamin D. I'm zinc guy. <laughs> I'm all that shit. Cursequin, all that stuff. Meanwhile, yeah. what is cursequin? That's a, That's actually an amazing supplement. So cursequin had, and they're really. Uh, you got to be careful with supplements, but there's been right. some really good peer-reviewed studies. So <clears throat> one of the things about science is that you always want to look at peer-reviewed studies. So what does that mean? It, it's like you get a nutritionist who says, take this, take that. and Okay, that's fine. Okay, you're a nutritionist, dude. I want the scientists that are doing the primary research. Why? Because when you write a scientific paper on, say, the efficacy of zinc and cursequin. I don't know what efficacy means. I'm sorry, dude. I'm super educated. <laughs> sorry, guys. For you guys who don't Whoa. speak English, um, the, uh, how effective it is. Okay. okay. When you write a paper like that, every scientist in your field is trying to prove you wrong. 
They, they, you have to be able to replicate <clears throat> that particular um, experiment so, and, and get the same results. That's called the scientific method. That's what it's called when you say it's peer reviewed. If it's peer reviewed and, and a bunch of other scientists from a lot of different countries and a lot of different labs went, we did the same experiment and arrived at the same conclusion. Now we're on to something, right? So it's one thing to take zinc, but are you absorbing the zinc? It's really hard to absorb. But apparently Cursequin, which is this supplement, I think it's a plant bioflavonoid or some shit like that. I thought it was a running back. No, dude. It, and I it played is, against and them. It <laughs> you talking about Cursequin Jackson? <laughs> that dude, he ran a 4-3 in 8th grade. that man can run. <laughs> Cursequin? He can outrun COVID. Oh, fucking he joke. <laughs> Cursequin. God, somebody's going to be named Cursequin. That's a great fucking name. Captain Cursequin. <laughs> Captain Cursequin. We saw the orca. <laughs> it's calm, Captain Cursequin. That's going to be, I, I guarantee you, there's going to be a Quentin Tarantino movie. I, and literary Cursequin's going to come in with the musical theme behind him. Yeah. Oh, I just want to be that. I want certain things I want to say. I want you to be like, I want to be like, say, just look at me and go, it's calm, Captain. We're looking out on the horizon. We're on a ship. Do it. We're ready to go. It's calm, Captain. Hey, to come. That sounds good, dude. That's so fucking dramatic. I want to be that actor. I just want to say shit like that. Did you say it's too calm? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> To come. <laughs> you see the gravel but in my then, voice, dude? But you know, if you're a captain, you got your coffee. Yeah. Too calm. You, you drink coffee. You I, drink, I drink fucking rum. Yeah. <laughs> hey, too calm. Is Captain drinking? Captain Callan drinking? When is he not? And the, when He's is he the not? best. He's allowed. But when I drink, I, I go like this. I, I growl. Rules don't apply to him. Uh, he yeah. knocked out Cursequin. Cursequin. 14 years ago on the flight deck. Cursequin. Take Cursequin and zinc, because Cursequin allows you to absorb the zinc. Listen to Dr. Callan. Here I go again with my opinions, because I read one fucking study. Right. Problem with me is I'll read, I read a lot, but the problem is I, I'm, I will echo the last book I read. Like I read this book called The Fifth Risk by Michael Lewis about how the things that the Department of Energy and the Department of Agriculture, Department of Commerce do. So basically, did certain things that government does that we don't know about, like scientists that are working on important things, like keeping track of our nuclear weapons, nuclear waste, shit like that. I don't know. And, or, or predicting the weather so you don't get swept up in a tornado or a hurricane, et cetera, et cetera. Jeez, I don't even read scripts. Oh, dude, and I'm dropping all this knowledge. And my father goes, <laughs> my father looks at me, he's 80. He goes, yeah, I, I hear you. You read a book. <laughs> <laughs> my dad puts me in check all the time. Where's so, your dad live? Utah. Really? Yeah. That's not, you're, Park you're not City. from there. You're from New York. Yeah, New York, but Park City. How'd he end up there? Just retired there, man. Made some money. And he was like, I'm going to go up to the mountains and be left alone. I'm going to walk. I'm going to take Italian. I'm going to learn the guitar. And I'm going to play fucking golf. And I'm going to read. Best and restaurant I ever went to was in Park City, Utah. Where? It was called the horse. Black horse? Oh. Or something. It's not the black horse. It's a different horse. What, what kind of horse? I don't is know. Maybe it's a steel horse. Can we look that up? I think it was. I think it was. Uh, Robert Redford owned it. Park City, Utah, and yeah. it's something horse. What'd you eat? Like venison or something? I had. I had the wild game. Yeah, plate. yeah, 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 dude. Did I call so it? So it was like buffalo, yep. elk, and something else. Yep. Bison, huh? River horse? Yeah, it's a river horse. River horse. I've eaten there. They got like a wild game plate. Yo, I was driving a U-Haul from Cincinnati. To San Francisco, we were, we were yeah. moving. Yeah. So me and my road manager Brad drove this U-Haul cross country, 
and we just like I go, dude, let's let's get a decent meal because you know you're eating like shit on the road. Yeah. So we saw Park City. At, 15 it's minutes a out of the way. Great little town. Great little town. So we drove, drove through in our U Haul. <laughs> I go, the River Horse. Is that what it's called? Yeah. That's go, Ro Robert Redford's uh, old restaurant. Yeah. And there was a, a there was a birthday party with like 20 women, and they all were blonde hair, yeah. looked like late 40s, early 50s. Everybody had the Namus brand shit on, yeah. and it looked like I got a lot of money. I know. I was like this. Who are they fucking, who are they married to? Because <laughs> they looked at me. They looked like me and Brad, like we were so beneath them because we looked like shit. Peasants. We're in sweats. What's with the poppers in the U-Haul? But here's the crazy part. I think there's a little dress code. Mm. The one black girl in Park City was working the, the hostess stand. So when I walked in, I go, hey, is there a dress code? Because we, we would have changed in the U-Haul. We had a suitcase. She goes, she goes, carry on. She goes, I go, yeah. She goes, what are you doing here? I go, the U-Haul. We're moving across country. She goes, I got you. That makes she you feel so good. She us in and sat us at some side table so nobody noticed we yeah. had these raggedy sweats on. And I remember we were eating. I looked at Brad and I go, yo, is this shit as good as I think? He goes, dude, my shit? I was like, we were fucking destroying oh, yeah. that food. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really get dessert, but I had to get one because we were there. You want dessert? I go, yeah, I do. Dude. Yes. I had a guy. River horse. I was torn between the elk in this restaurant, between the elk and, I don't know, the chicken. And the, the waiter goes, get the elk. And I said, you think? And he goes, take the essence of the elk into your body. <laughs> I'll get two plates and then I will run in the forest. And then I will run. I will run naked and feel, feel the branches caress my, my skin. What city was that in? I don't know. It's not, that story probably didn't happen, but I like the story. <laughs> no, it, no it, did, it did happen. It did, did happen. Did a waiter say feel the essence yes, of the elk? Yes, it was in Colorado, I believe. But he was being silly, but it was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. It's like when I asked a sommelier about um, a wine. I was at... Uh, what the fuck is a sommelier? He, Dude, you got to slow down. I'm an aristocrat. But I understand that. <clears throat> Even my fans don't know what you mean. And I want them a, to understand this podcast. A, som, a sommelier <laughs> is the wine expert in a restaurant. Yo, Gary had this great French comedian on, Brian Callen, and he spoke. He kept going from English to French. He's a European. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, the sommelier, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's a, that's an obnoxious thing to say. But this, this guy who's the wine expert, I love wine, right? And, I spend, and I'd have way more money if I didn't like wine. You should have brought a bottle. I, I can't drink. I, I'll fall asleep. I got to drink at No, I just mean it was a gift eight. to me I, for I, having you on. <laughs> but you wouldn't, you wouldn't appreciate it. You'd be like, this wine, I think I this would. wine is Cabernet? good. Cabernet? She's red. <laughs> That's out. what I know. <laughs> like, red, when they come, hey, we got a wine list. I go, what, red? See, now Cabernet? what I'd like to do with you is I'd like to show you the difference. I, bear, I guarantee if I brought a house wine, the kind of wine you like, a Cabernet, I stay out of the corner of my mouth. Yeah. See what I do with condescension? Going, right? And then I brought you a wine. And you'd see, and anybody would see the difference. I, that's my favorite thing. And I live do. right near Napa Valley. Oh, fuck, dude. My neighbors, that's all I do is drink wine all day. Yeah, it becomes an obsession. Well, then it's too you expensive. go to somebody's house, and you always got to bring a bottle. I know, bro. And I'm looking at my wife like this. Slow down. Yeah. And here's what I do. When you bring a bottle to my house, I look at it, and I go, ah, it's cute. And I, and I tuck <laughs> it away. Well, they'll tell me. My neighbors are quick to be like, yo, Gary, you want some wine? And they'll pour me like, it's $125 bottle of wine yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, almost like, don't fucking waste it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Have you had, uh, have you tried uh, Dwayne Wade's wine, The Way of Wade? No, and I won't. Oh. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a snob. 
Well, he's got and an I love expensive him. bottle. Oh, he does? And he's got a cheaper bottle. Yeah. So I remember when he first busted it out a couple years ago, He's. A, I, I just felt like I name dropped. But Oh, you he, know him. See, I think that'd be a big deal. Well, I, I mean, I worked with Gabrielle. We did two movies together. So oh, of course, right, okay. Dwayne. Yeah. So uh, what do you call it? He goes, which one, Gary? And I go, I don't want you to hate me, but I like the cheaper shit. <laughs> better than more expensive shit. And then Dwayne was, was like, yeah. It just tasted better to me. Yeah. That's and okay. I was like, he goes, yeah. I don't know if you'd ever met him. He goes, yeah, I kind of, I know what you're talking about. He wouldn't admit it, but yeah. he was like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I go, yeah. I like the cheap. I said, could be the trailer park in me. Yeah. I like the cheap shit. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with like wine, like anything else. The, my problem is I used to like that cheap shit too. Now here's the problem. I'm friends with rich people. You just, cause sometimes you have a couple of rich friends and who mm -hmm. like wine and I know restaurant owners. So mm -hmm. when you know restaurant owners and you have, you have a couple rich friends who, who open those crazy bottles, you're mm -hmm. ruined. Mm. You're done, man. What about cigars? Like, Let's try this. I don't, I'm not a cigar guy, but okay. I'm sure I'd be the same way. I know, I know a lot of cigar smokers, they describe cigars exactly yeah. how you just described wine. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, because I like uh, these cigars called Isla del Souls. They got mm. a little flavor to them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, your palate will change. There you go. The more you're around cigar smokers, the more yeah. you smoke. So far, it hasn't. Listen, man, it's also like um, everything in life is like that, which I kind of like. like. Like jazz. I don't know jazz, but if you listen to jazz with somebody who knows the difference, they can tell you the difference between an amazing trumpet player or somebody who can swing and somebody who can't. So they're listening to something completely different than you are. Mm. You understand? That's what I love about art or any kind of, uh, when you develop a palette for anything, scotch. I don't know. I had somebody poured me, I was in Kentucky and they poured me like a $300 shot. I didn't pay for it, but they were like, now this, cause it was like a special occasion. I, to me, man, I, I don't drink scotch or bourbon. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, oh, tastes just like this over here. Mm -hmm. Either way, it's hard to drink. But I love that about when you understand, I, I think when you understand what it takes. So Japanese, you know what Japanese one brush stroke painting is? Because I didn't. No. So there's this art in, in Japanese, in the Japanese tradition, okay? Where you take a, a brush, you are not allowed, your painting must you're never allowed to take the brush off the canvas. You have to paint something in one stroke. Hmm. They do some crazy genius shit that way. But the minute you pull it off, the painting's done. It's like masturbating. It's like masturbating. Like you can't take your hand well, off you, of it. You can't take your hand. I do though. <laughs> you it's start all over. I take a break and I go like this and I just admire things. And I arch my back a little and I go, still got it. Still fucking got it. Or you're like this. No, no, I'm not ready yet. Yep. I'm not ready to finish. And then I, and then I dip it in paint and I do one brush stroke painting with it. And then I have to go to the doctor. And, but yeah, so thanks for taking my whole fucking metaphor. Sorry about that. That's all right. Because you got bored and so did I. We all got bored. I'm talking about wine. I'll tell you what. You completely changed the subject. My segues are awful. You were in one of my favorite shows that I got to know over COVID, which is Kingdom. Mm. Never watched it. I didn't even realize that show came out like six years ago. Yeah, man. On what network? On direct TV. So when we were doing it, nobody was watching it. Mm -hmm. and, and then they were supposed to have a season four, and they were just like, we can't afford this because nobody's watching it. And then Netflix picked it up, or no... I think somebody who was a famous director tweeted, this is the best show nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. And Netflix went, really? And then they put it on and bang. That's the thing you don't know. Like when I, when I did The Hangover, nobody, nobody knew it was gonna be a, nobody knew it was gonna be huge. Mm. 
Mm. I mean, Todd Phillips, the director, I said, what are you making for this? Because he's a friend of mine. He goes, you're making more than I am. I was hmm. what? He goes, I'm getting a back end. He just put his trust in, and then the rest is history. But yeah. you don't know something's going to be as big as it is when you're doing it. You just show up. Everything's mm -hmm. an accident. I thought that was like a Netflix original. And then all of a sudden, literally, I was watching the, because, um, you know, we're in the business, so you watch credits. Yeah. So I'm watching the credits, and then literally I went, I paused, and I go, wait a minute. Did that say 2014? Yeah. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? And then I was like, wait, yeah. this show's been out? Yeah. And completely it's crazy. Missed? It was six years ago. That's fucking crazy. You know, that written, one? Written primarily by one guy, Byron. Uh, can't remember his last name. But he wrote it himself. I the mean, show? Uh, yeah, dude. A lot of that stuff was just by him. Like, that's one dude sitting there. I mean, he had some other writers, but for the most part, a lot of those episodes, from what I understand, written by one dude. Well, I think what I by, like by, most Byron about Galasco, Galasco, something like that. Was, I mean, obviously, UFC and fighting was the backdrop, but it's really about a dysfunctional family. And when you come from a dysfunctional family, when you see it, you're like, oh, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Everybody's going through their own shit. Yeah, bro. So I identified, like, so many different characters and different episodes. I go, oh, yeah, I get that. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've mm -hmm. seen that happen. Do you think there's anything? Sometimes I really wonder, and I'm just being serious, if there is any such thing as a functional family. I've seen them. I've seen them on the, the surface. Obamas? I, I, that might be a good, that might be an example. That might be one example. But for the most part, I really believe that it's very rare to see a functional. You, if you see a functioning family, be careful. Something's going on. I, I actually don't buy it for the most part. It's I, almost like when, um, when an athlete, <clears throat> a professional athlete, gets caught cheating, whether on a girlfriend or a wife. Doesn't mm -hmm. have to be married. Mm -hmm. And the media throws him through the coals like he ain't shit, he's a dog. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. If you in your early 20s, you have millions of dollars and whatever, whatever market you're in, whatever city that is you play in, you are, you are an A-list celebrity. When you see people at the top of the food chain like that, when they have money and looks and they're young, because mm -hmm. like, let's face it, a lot of pro athletes, they, they can lookers. get laid. They can get no, but some of them, some of them are. They can yeah. just they can get laid. Like when you see, like, oh, well, he's six three and he's two hundred and twenty pounds of muscle, <laughs> and, you know, and he's got a square jaw. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like <laughs> you see, like, have you ever seen Derek Jeter in person? He looks small. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you look at him and you're like, well, you're you're six three, you're two twenty, I mean, you have green eyes, and a and a jaw that could carve a trophy. Yeah. Let me tell you a great Derek Jeter story was the Super Bowl in Tampa. So it was the year the Steelers were playing the, the Cardinals. Mm. It was probably 10, 11 years ago. There was a girl there that was on, she was one of the girls off Flavor of Love. Yeah. And she's in the, you've been to the Hard Rock in Tampa? Yes, I have. She's standing there. Oh, no, not Tampa, no. I'm, she's I'm standing there. She's got this group <clears> of like five, six guys taking pictures, and she's kind of being like standoffish, kind of a bitch type deal, yeah. vibe. Don't bother me, everything, right? And the crowd's getting a little bigger around her. And all of a sudden, the <laughs> casino starts to fucking move, man. Yeah. Everybody's, the whole crowd is going like this. Yep. And I'm going, and the prince who walked is in. there? The prince. Who, who was in the middle of that? Yeah. And it was Jeter. Yeah. And when he walked by the Flavor of Love girl, yeah. she was all by herself. The guys with her just was going with the crowd, right? Oh, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck was that? Yes. It was like, everybody just swept. And all of a sudden, like, all the tables were open. Yeah, the slot man. machines open. Everybody just went with him. Yeah, I know. Because keep in mind, this was when he was at the top. 
Oh yeah. He was playing with the Yankees. He then. was balletic. He was Oh like, my God. I was like, oh, levels to this shit. He'd be chewing gum. He'd be chewing gum. Everything's on the line. And he just, he just, he'd ground something and jump in the air just for the just for kicks. Just be like, I'm gonna jump in the air and point my toes and throw and throw, yeah. throw this guy out at first. <laughs> like that dude just and it'd be everything went on, just chewing gum, his face normal, just let me hit a home run or just let me hit a double right here and get us out of this mm -hmm. hole. I, I love the way that guy played. You El Yankee Capitan. fan? I, I, I am because I'm my roots on the Italian side are New York. What's your favorite sport? Um, fighting, UFC. UFC or boxing? Both. I love both. Boxing's so exciting right now, I can't take it. It's who so you, exciting. Who do you think is going to win, Mayweather or Logan Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Logan's so big and, and athletic, and his brother. I was watching his brother, Jake Paul, spar. Mm -hmm. I like to box, you know? Yeah. I haven't sparred in a little while, but like I would never, in a, I'm, first of all, I'm too old, but like if you get in the ring with those kids, they're like 23 and 25, they're very big and strong. Mm -hmm. And they can hit and they're athletic enough to, to really understand. I mean, I think Jake Paul really works at it. Like yeah. he's gotta be careful. You, if you watch this kid spar, he's banging with real boxers and mm -hmm. getting cracked himself and getting wobbled and knocked out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's very serious about it. You make a mistake against a guy like that. Now, good luck putting a glove on Floyd Mayweather. What makes right. him so amazing is the man can see everything you're doing before you, before you do it. Okay, so that's what I love about deep skill. That's why a chess player can beat you every single time because they've, they've seen the board a thousand times. They, they, they're just ahead of you. It's like when mm -hmm. you roll jujitsu with a really good jiu-jitsu guy anything you do they can feel and they're like uh, uh you're going for a ride uh oh is that what you're gonna do it's just it, what i think is gonna happen mm. i think right now no doubt logan paul is gonna come in shape ready to go he's got his corner he got his homeboys hyping him up he does that ring walk and yeah. he sees me where they're walking that ring that's when i think it's gonna be like oh shit what just happened what i get myself into and i think the the great boxers, they're not caught up in the moment. Floyd's so used to being in the moment. Oh. It's gonna be calm. It's gonna be like me and you talking right now. Yeah, bro. We're Logan Paul. Yeah. It's gonna be like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Them nerves kick in. Yeah. And and all of a sudden shortness of breath. And all of a sudden Floyd's gonna be like boop, boop, a couple of times. You're gonna be like, wait a minute. I just really got hit and yeah. I didn't see it coming. Well, I think Logan's gonna find that that Floyd is over to his left or to his right or just out of reach and he's going to reach and commit and then pop, 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 you know. But I, I think that Floyd will pepper him up and make it exciting and not get hit. Mm -hmm. And then it, when he wants to close it and put his, his fist on the back of your jaw yeah. and put you to sleep, that's very possible for him. I don't know. And here's the thing about Floyd. Uh, I remember Jason Kidd when he was playing for the Mavericks and he finally won an NBA title and he was like 40. And somebody was like, dude, how are you playing so well at your age? And is, he goes, listen, it's not the games yeah. that make you old. It's what you do in between the games that yeah. make you old. Floyd doesn't drink. Yeah. Floyd doesn't smoke. He goes out, but then he goes to the gym after he goes to the club. You know, it he, works out. And not only that, excuse me, but he's never, he's really, I can count the people that have, that have, Shershane Mosley hit him once. Madonna hit him once. Emmanuel Augustus who everybody should always watch. Oh, I love Manuel Augustus. Woo! The, drunken, the drunken master. He got hit. He, he gave Floyd fits when he was younger. But for the most part, the man hasn't been touched. 
Right. The man, what, what I love about Floyd, and he doesn't get his due, is he beat the game of boxing, a, a, a sport that breaks so many and renders so many penniless. The man retired with his face and brain intact. And he, because his uncle and his father were great boxers in their own right, and they said, mm -hmm. here's the name of the game, bro. You don't get hit. Learn how to box. Learn how to be just out of reach. He's the greatest defensive boxer and maybe James Tony behind him ever. That's a, that, that to me is the most impressive. You know, you can say what you want about Manny Pacquiao, who's one of the greatest of all time and phenomenal. They said he had a bad shoulder when he fought Floyd. He still made Manny Pacquiao, the great Manny Pacquiao, look a little, with all due respect, I say this, a little clumsy. I, oh, I mean, he was clumsy. missing him, man. Even Canelo. I mean, come on. Canelo, another and one of the greatest. People. I mean, he's one of the greatest. That guy, that guy's going to go down as, as top five, I think. Canelo. Flight wasn't even close. Oh, bro. He, he, he's, he's, uh, he, he takes on all comers. Guy's much bigger than him. Mm -hmm. I love, and I hate how people be like, <clears throat> well, he's, he gets people on the before their prime or after their prime. I go, did you forget Ricky Hatton? Come on. Man. He, who, it, he made, Ricky Hatton was undefeated. You, yeah. Knocking guys out. Just the most exciting boxer to do. Yeah, I was at that, I was at that fight. With the, the, the Ricky when, Hatton when, one? Yeah, when he fought, when he fought uh, Mayweather. Yeah. The, he, they really made people think. Ricky Hatton had a shot. And I, remember, I, I remember you used to always talk about the check hook. Bop. I said, I'll bet anybody any amount of money, and I take Floyd every time. Yeah. I said, who, every time he fought, I always got them guys, man, you got to take him. I go, aim, going to be close, bro. Because and the he problem gets in is, there and figures you out. And you can't, you can't get ready for a fight like that. That's the other problem. So when you spar, you, what you do is you bring in your camp fighters that approximate the guy you're going to go with. So if you're fighting a tall fighter, you're going to bring in a tall fighter. Okay, you can't, but you promise no sparring partner, you're paying 500 bucks or whatever a week is gonna be able to emulate what you see. That was the other problem with Pacquiao. People would fight Pacquiao and they'd bring in people to fight Pacquiao, like, you know, to, to approximate Pacquiao. Here's what they didn't account for, his speed. I think it was De La Hoya who said, I can deal with his power, I can't deal with his speed. He had this crazy speed. So sometimes you just can't get ready for someone's power, someone's speed. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what makes them, you know, so special. Who do you think the best UFC fighter is? John Jones. Yeah, me too. But, but and he does it like high on coke and everything. Oh, Man, bro. That guy's amazing. He's also innovative and he probably works way harder than people give him credit for. Oh, and by the way, he's, NH, he's NFL quality athletic. I mean, his, his two brothers are oh. pro bowlers, okay? And, and so he was the one who got beat up by those guys. Yeah. You wonder what they would have been like. Fuck, my brother's at the Waffle House. What's that? My brother works at the Waffle House. <laughs> I know, bro. I know. I know. Oh, mom and dad wouldn't breed like that. No, no. It's a whole different thing, man. It's a different thing. So, but there are, listen, man, one of the things I say about the UFC is that no one is ever talking about what it's done for women. Like, we have this feminist movement, we have all this, you know, gender talk. Why aren't people talking about how amazing the women of the UFC are? And more importantly, how they've changed the hearts and minds of a bunch of bros and a bunch of guys who never thought women were capable of fighting. Why don't we talk about that? Joanna Yenjenjek and whatever that wo the woman from China, oh God, that, that battle they had, one of the best fights personally I've ever seen. Rose Namajunas, her skill level, her skill level when she's fighting people. Oh, I can go down the list. Valentina Shevchenko, her level of wrestling, her level of striking, in my humble opinion, is as good in many ways as, as almost any man that steps in that ring. Maybe as good. Fundament, fundamentals, ferocity, competitive spirit. But that shit about, is unbelievable. They're just as exciting to watch. How about nobody brings up the fact that Ronda Rousey's comeback fight 
was against Amanda Nunez, who nobody knew I did. was about to be I did. that chick. I didn't. Bro, I said to, I said, when I watched her, nobody knew she was, and I watched slow motion of her throwing bones. I was watching the way she was throwing, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I'm sorry. I, it was like, I was like a little mouse. I was like, I'm sorry. Is anybody, did anybody see the way she's throwing punches? But, okay, so if, you, if you're that guy, and you're... You're just uh, you're not just a comedian. I mean, you're an avid watcher. Yeah. How did her camp not know that? They did. Why would oh, they you pick? Mean, you're, talking about, you're talking Ronda about Ronda Rousey's camp. Why would they pick Amanda Nunez? Because Ronda Rousey was such an extreme winner. No one had an answer for her armbar or her her ground game. And it's hard sometimes to see <clears throat> Amanda Nunez because when you watch Amanda Nunez fighting somebody you've beaten or somebody who's because the the women's division back then wasn't as deeply skilled as it is now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those women were coming in without as much experience. So along comes Amanda Nunez, they didn't know her. Because my thing is, if Ronda Rousey comes back and she was like a Conor McGregor, she just was box office, win or lose, you just want to see her fight. Mm -hmm. I would have put her up against somebody that had no kind of power. Yeah. (laughs) And just be like... That's Ooh. that's and what you're you, telling you, me you can, knew it. You can do that in boxing. You can't do that in MMA. It, it, they just the UFC doesn't operate that way. Mm. They throw you to the wolves. Jesus and remember, Christ. Ronda Rousey was the biggest draw. And so they were. You know, it started out first of all with Holly Holm. Holly yeah, Holm no. was a counterpuncher, and Holly Holm was a 17-time champ, champ, world champion. And Holly Holm was every bit as big or bigger than Ronda and strong. Right. So mm. she understood they, they just were clinch. And they said, Rhonda puts you in a headlock. She does that judo stuff. So make sure you keep her hips away and blah, blah, blah. There's a way to neutralize that, mm. you know, because she had people in her camp who understood what what Rhonda was doing. They could break down. They could see her fights. And they could. The thing is, they can. It's like that expression. I don't fight fights. I solve fights. So you can you can study tape and see where people what they do, what their happy place is, and then you just work on neutralizing that. It's like, it's like quarterbacks, right? What I love about the NFL. You were awesome in college. You can run? Oh, great. So we're just going to force you to sit back in the pocket now and pass. So RG3, you're an amazing runner. You're, you're a man amongst boys. You're an incredible athlete. But can you read a backfield? In a, you're able to read a backfield when you have 10 seconds. Can you read a backfield when you have two seconds? And somebody much bigger than you is going to flatten you. It just that's that's kind of the same idea. They can break you down. Now, how do you feel when you found out Tom Hardy was that guy's brother? Um, <laughs> I don't remember. I, I, you when mean, you were announcing that fight. Oh, that was a <laughs> dude. I, you mean a warrior? I was going to say. I thought you were talking about where. How did you, Dan Hardy? How did yeah. you feel? <laughs> I'm glad you said. Well, well, I want to go through my acting process, guys. Can I? Let, let me get about no, 15 hold on. minutes. I'm being sarcastic. One of my favorite, just fighting movies. You got you got your Rockies, but yeah. Warrior. Yeah, I didn't think it got its just due <sighs> as a movie. It didn't. It didn't. I got. I had for the longest time. I had three movies on my iPad mm. that I just bought that I wanted downloaded. Like I can go to at any point. It was Shawshank. It was Braveheart and Warrior. One because the they never get bored. Boring. I, I watch them every time like this. It's how about, like I how about Nick time. Nolte in that when he played the drunk? How about Jesus that scene? Christ. And, you know, I, I, I remember just, I, I knew who he was. I mean, he, he's the maestro. He's a Hall of Famer. So when he'd come into the room, guess who would give him his seat? Brian Count. I would get up. I'd go, Nick, mm-hmm. you want to? I, 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 would, I would wait on him. Mm-hmm. People are like, what are you doing? I go, what am I doing? It's 48 hours, bro. That's, that's, a, that's a Hall of Famer. I, would, yeah. I remember I would do that. They were laughing at me because I was like, Nick, can I get you something? Do you want? I, I was like that guy. Yeah. I would wait on him. 
And, 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 you know, because, and nobody's, ah, whatever. And then you see him and you go, oh, that, oh, when he plays that drunk scene. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, you can give you, you that. You're talking the hotel room? Yeah. Yeah. See the process? Would you go in on your days off? He can do that. He can do that. He can do that. He can be drinking coffee and go, Nick, you better shoot that scene. And he'll go, yeah, okay. Give me, give me, give me a, give me no time. I got you. And he does that. I'm not kidding. That's how good he is. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's what it, once again, Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. That's Hall of Famer. And that's just a lifetime of, of acting and probably drinking too. But either way, he was God, so that movie was good. Warrior. Yeah. I remember watching it and not knowing what it was about. And somehow I just stumbled across it and watched it. And then when I got done, I forgot the title. And I could not remember the movie. For like a year, I was like this. I'm trying to tell me, y'all watch this UFC movie, man. I don't know what it's about. Yeah. I, did, I didn't know Tom Hardy's name. I didn't know Frank Grillo's Nobody name. Nobody did. I didn't know anybody in the movie. Did I was you like say this. Frank Grillo? I did. I you, just said, you just said Spanish? Yeah. Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. Whatever, whatever that dude's I name I could just see Frank going, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> One of my best friends. Frank Grillo. Say yeah, Grillo. Frank Grillo? By the way, by the way, <laughs> legit t- a legit tough guy as far as an actor's concerned. Frank Grillo? Yeah. My Frank. fault? Grillo. <laughs> That's Spanish, bro. Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. Couldn't be more Italian. <laughs> but thank you for making him Cuban. He may, he may as well be. Frank but he Grillo. was eating those quesadillas. Uh, <laughs> that guy. I want to apologize to the uh, Latin <laughs> community. When I say Frank Grillo? <laughs> I love it so perfect. Frank, Frank, Frank Grillo was really good in, in Kingdom and, and Warrior. Really good. Frank Grillo. I can't believe I said that. Well, I'm going to really, post just really this part. I'm, putting, I'm posting just this part on my Instagram, and then I'm going to, as a no, link to this. I really thought it was pronounced Grillo. <laughs> of course you did. I mean, where, where do you live? Santo Domingo? What's going on, bro? God damn it, Gary. Holy You're from fuck, Cincinnati. I really thought well, it was Frank Grillo. I mean, do you say, do you say Sangria as well? Like, you're from Indiana or I Ohio. Said, Fucking, all of a sudden, he's got a Spanish all this accent. Time, yeah. I'm like this. Yo, there's, do you see the movie with Tom Hardy and Frank Grillo? Yeah. You, are you going to call Nobody me? Nobody Bri- corrected me. Is my name Brian Cayen? Because <laughs> I've got two L's. Brian Cayen is our, our, our guy. And I know so many people that worked with him. Yeah. Oh fuck, dude, I'm sweating. Yeah. I that's one of the few guys I DM'd on um on uh Instagram. You should have him on the podcast. I, I DM'd Frank Grillo. Yeah, Grillo. <laughs> Frank. Frank. And Rio. I just said, yo, because I was shooting a movie in Oklahoma City and he was in Tulsa. Yeah. For a minute I thought we were in the same city. I saw Oklahoma. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he's close or at the same hotel. You know, I was just gonna see if I run into him. I was gonna be like, yo, I like the movie. You know, I was going to tell him the whole, Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. <laughs> I'm glad. Nobody looks you better. Nobody, you want to feel bad about yourself? Look at what he looks like at his age. He doesn't, he doesn't dye his hair. Just black hair. 65? 55. No fucking way. That guy's yeah. 55. I shouldn't have said his name, but it's on, it's on Google. Dad, dude, you, you don't, nobody ages like that. Wow. I mean, and I, he doesn't use any dye. His hair, I always tease him and go, you dye your hair. He goes, you want to bet? Is, he's just, he's just Because I just, it just hit me. You guys... You worked with Frank Grillo, yeah. Kingdom and the Warrior, yeah. Both both fighting movies. It's Warrior, don't say the Warrior. It's just Warrior. Yeah. Fuck. I'm fucking everything up. Everybody <laughs> says that. <laughs> so Fuck you Gary. guys. So you worked with Frank and Fault in Our Stars, <laughs> Twilight. Jesus Christ! I never. I was, was a vampire. I was the, I was the vampire. I was the vampire in Twilight when I was younger with tighter skin, <laughs> and I had a full head of hair. I was super sexy. <laughs> I was super cute. <laughs> My mother has a headshot of me when I was 22. I, I'm never going to let that down. Yo, Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. G- Grillo. Grillo. 
Grillo <laughs> from Cuba. From Cuba. I'll butcher some fucking names, bro. That's okay. Just heads I up. I do too. I, I will too. butcher some names. I do too. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just trying to make you feel the better. The warrior it was so good, though. The, it's not warrior. even the warrior. 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 It should have been the it's warrior. It's an awkward name. I, I should have been the, the warrior. The studio didn't want that name, from what I understand. But for, but but it took when I went to the premiere. Gavin O'Connor, who who wrote helped write with um, Anthony Tambak is that movie, and he he was uh, he was he he directed it, and I I think it was such a love affair, and it took all of him all of him to put that movie out there like that. Mm. He was crying, like he was trying to make a speech and thank everybody, and I think the emotion, the yeah. That the emotion, he, he couldn't get through it. He's a macho dude, a D1 football player and all that. And he was weeping on the mic and we were just all laughing in a good way. It was like mm -hmm. this guy, it's like when you win the championship and you got the trophy mm -hmm. and you're just, I can't really talk right now. My emotions, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it was that. And it, but, but it was so heartfelt and honest that we were like this dude, it took him like 45 minutes to get through the speech just to thank people. But, but if you have a passion project, like oh, that was probably yeah. that guy's, it's not about... It's not about um, how much money it's going to make the box office or who nah. sees it. It's like, I got it done. I got, I got it done. this shit and done. Then, and then the, the heartbreak about movies is nobody goes to see it until later. When you make a beautiful piece of work, though, it finds its way. Yeah. Right? I found it. I, dude, I watched yeah. it. Couldn't find it for another year. Yeah. And then as soon as I figured out what it was, I'm probably because I was Siri. You tell me Frank Grio movies? <laughs> the Purge 2, <laughs> Purge 3. He does a lot of those action movies. Yeah. <laughs> Black and blue or whatever. I can't believe. That's so funny. Frank Grio. And, that, and that's where, um, I should have known his name after that because he worked with Deion Taylor. Who I've done a, worked on a couple films with. You've done I a lot of films. Known. You've done a lot of films. What's your favorite film? That I've worked on? There was a, there was a movie called College that I think... I thought that was going to be the one. Mm. You know, you get a feeling like this is going to be the one. Yeah, I've had and a lot of those. And it came out like two weeks after Superbad, and we had the same characters. So we had all the backlash. Like, they stole everything. I was yeah. like, this was, it was basically three high school kids doing a college visit for a weekend. It was like a Porky's. Yeah. And I was the frat guy that never left. Never. So I'm like 30 in this frat, and I'm just running shit. And Vern, mini me, was my sidekick. I was bear kid. He was bear kitten. And uh, I just thought as we were shooting, I go, "Fuck, man, I'm, I'm kind of in the pocket." Yeah, movie, man, I know man. that feeling. I got to play the wild frat guy. Yeah, and I was like, "This, ah," oh. and then it just kept. I, I should have known it kept getting postponed. Yeah, see that, but like, that feeling that you have, like I've had that feeling where you like because acting's such a grind, and I think you and I have a similar experience of just you just never know when your next job is going to come, right? You just never do. No, I've never had certainty in this business. Yeah, never. And so what happens is you, you, maybe you do a movie and you think to yourself, maybe this will be the movie where I get offered roles and I can have some stability and I can plan one thing in my life. Yeah. And people don't realize like what that is when you're a journeyman, like, you know, I, I am, I mean, I've always been a journeyman actor mm -hmm. and that's, I mean, past three years were, you know, four years with the Goldbergs and school were good, but then COVID and all this stuff and, and, but Overall, there's never any certainty. Overall, you're back to square one. Mm -hmm. You're back to like, where's my next job coming from? Mm -hmm. And that's that's just that's and, and and when you do the road, how are you going to get butts in the seat? You better figure out a way to do it. Yeah. How are you going to sell tickets? Because you're competing with TikTok and a thousand other things. Yeah. So people, you if you aren't in people's face, jumping up and down. Now you got to you. Know, what I've found is 
I've utilized TikTok in a different manner. I start putting my stand-up clips on it. There you go. Like continuously. Yeah, man. And I'm just like, I'm. I realize that those those YouTube, not YouTube, but the Instagram says YouTube less younger millennials that are doing the sketches. Yeah. It's just not in me like that. I can join you and you come up with it. But that's an art form in itself. Yeah, it is. Where like me, I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm a stand-up. So I, I took a page out of like, I remember I was at the Burbank airport, ran into Bill Burr, mm-hmm. and we were talking. It's kind of like me and you. Yeah. Fucked his name up. I said, Bill Burry. <laughs> Bill Burr. It's Burr, fucker. No, you said Burr because he's got five R's yeah, at the yeah. end of his name. Hey, Bill Burr. We're just bullshit. And he goes, he goes, yo, I'm just going to be so fucking funny. They can't deny me. That's it. And I just went. When did he say oh, that? Wow, like, Ten years ago. I love that shit. He goes, I'm just going to be so and fucking he is. funny. And he is. They can't deny me. And I was like this. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. In my own lane. That's it. So I, when people always be like, man, you, just got, you do so many racial jokes. I go. Motherfucker, come to my show, and it's 80-90% black. Yeah. I go, so I'm doing something right because I'm yeah. selling tickets. Yeah. So man. I'm not gonna change it. <laughs> Cause it's almost like when you get those. That's uh, fucking internet that's trolls. impressive that you that's impressive that you're a black comic. <laughs> it is. It's fucking impressive. Well, it's like those internet trolls that'll be like, uh, keep pandering your audience or do do do. I'll be looking at them like this. You were never gonna come see me anyways. So I don't care but about your opinion. But you're not pandering to your audience. At all. I'm playing to them, but I'm not pandering. There's a huge difference. I always yeah. say playing to your audience is if I'm at if I'm at Showtime at the Apollo, yeah. I'm not going to talk about Garth Brooks. No. Right? No. I'm going to play. I'm going to talk about Lil Wayne. But also you just, like, like my features have, uh, for whatever reason have been black, right? Like, like um, I was taking Malik B on the road, um, my, Herman Race, um, now Leo Flowers. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not doing that because it's politically correct or because they're black. I don't give a fuck about that. Mm-hmm. I, I just happen to have thought that they were funny. And especially like Malik or like Herman, who were young comics and hungry yeah. and working their ass off. And I fucking love hustle. And so I, you know, for me, that's why I was bringing them on the road. So that just kind of happened by accident. When you're, I'm not doing that because of, I, I'm not even doing it to be nice. I'm just doing it because I happen to think they're fucking funny and I like hanging out with them. That's the big thing. <laughs> I mean, you know like hanging out with them. Yeah, man. And the hustle. Do you find this? Because I found this going through in my 20 years on the road, probably the last 10, 11, kind of use the same three features. They yeah, kind of. Well, you like hanging. There's certain people you like hanging with, and there's also certain, certain people you want good things to happen for. Mm-hmm. Right? You find like you, but you can spoil them, and they they almost get a little spoiled. And you're like, uh, <laughs> you know, comics are out there. Like, uh, I like I always tell my guys, I go when they get, I feel like a, sometimes entitled. Mm. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm kind of your booking agent. Yeah, like you don't have to hustle for work. Right. I go, you just wait for me to call and be like, hey, we're in Milwaukee, we're in Phoenix, we're in here. You just got to get there. Yeah. You know how many comics are out there? Like, just like, I just want to work. But see, I have a thing about that. Like, so, so I always say to young comics that, or whoever it is, I always say, I'm, your, I'm the stepping stone. You shouldn't be with me for 10 years. Facts. You should be leaving me. In two years, you should, and I said that to Malik, I said that to, to Herman, I said that to, I always say, I go, look, you should be using me. You should become more famous or you should become a headliner. The whole point of you featuring is for these clubs to see how good you are Mm -hmm. and for you to build your own audience. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's take, not like, to be my future. I don't like people working for me. That's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. This is about me seeing talent that's young, hungry, and has something to say. And then I happen to be one of the facilitators to that expression. Mm -hmm. You know. And oh, by the way, I like hanging out with you. Mm -hmm. you I gotta like to hang out with you. Like right. Leo Flowers is one of the smartest motherfuckers I know. So I, he wouldn't even have to, he's funny as shit, but he wouldn't even have to be funny. I just love the motherfucker because he reads more than I do and we sit around and talk about deep shit. How'd you- like I learn stuff. I saw Lee, Lee Flowers? Leo Flowers. Where'd you see him at? I saw him at, uh, I think it was at the, uh, uh, in the Venice Underground or something. And he was just funny. Uh, one of those shows, like a, an, uh, he's funny, man. Funny and just good. You and I was like, I walk up and I go, hey bro, yeah. I go, I, I need a feature. I was like, I'd rather, I, I want this guy to come on. Just because hmm. I thought he was really good, and I thought people needed to see him, and also he makes my show better. Because you know what the other thing is, my features like someone like Leo, there is always probably 20, 30, 40 percent of the pop of the audience that's like he's just as good as that headliner. Mm -hmm. He might be better. Yeah, that's never happened to me. No, it's never happened no. to me either. I was being falsely <laughs> modest. I'm too good for that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Give me a give me a, a, a fist. I'm like this. Give me a COVID fist. Ah, on that. it's never happened. Nah, 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 nah. Well, the one thing I always say is, I, I mean, I, you can say whatever you want, but come to my show and I promise you'll laugh. I don't give a fuck, and you'll laugh for an hour straight. That's I all I can offer. I you. won't know some of the words you're talking about if you use them. If you use, if you sommelier, if I use sommelier, the French word, big words in a podcast. I can't imagine an hour efficacy. <laughs> you guys have learned a couple of things: efficacy and sommelier. <laughs> I, mean, I can hear people going, "Okay, okay." I'm, I'm glad we did this now. I hate to be on a big show with you and be like, "Uh, you seen him in The Warrior with Frank Grillo? <laughs> One of my favorite shows, The Kingdom. <laughs> it's the best with Nick Johannes. Nick, Nick Johannes. <laughs> Nick Johannes. <laughs> what, oh, fuck! What a world, though. At least I don't know. At least we have movies, right? Although now I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Well, are you optimistic about next entertainment four, next four years and everything? Yeah, I just I don't know. I try. I don't try to overthink it. I'm very apolitical. I'm not Republican, Democrat. Yep. Not either one. I just kind of roll with it. So talking politics, to people is almost like talking sports. Like if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, there's nothing you can say to that person's going to change their mind. Yeah. There's no other team they're ever going to go to. If you got your candidate. And that's who you like. There's nothing you could say. And that's when people argue on social media. I'm like, you're not going to change anybody's mind. Yeah. So just why comment? Yeah. Why comment? Right. Especially when it comes I've to politics. I've never commented. I've never been like, and another thing. Oh, I got family members. They go at it. Yeah. I've, I've lost family members and family members are at each other's throats over politics. I'm like, I can't believe you guys. Yeah. I try to, I try to tell um, people in my family that I go, look, when, when you're it's your last days, you're in the hospital, who's going to be there? Yeah. Those people on your Facebook that nah. were agreeing with you, no, they're going to be family. long gone. I yeah. go, your family's going to be there. I said, so take a step back, man. Yeah. It ain't worth it. Well, it that's what happens it. when you go through some shit. I don't know if you know, but I've been through some shit the past six months. And when you lose everything, you um, the people that are closest to you, like you deepen your relationships. Mm -hmm. Family becomes really important. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things about anything you go through in life is like you, you spend all, it goes back to what we were saying until you need somebody, until you're in, you need help. Like you, you get humbled. But overall, you Frank can just Rio go through life. You? Frank Rio helped me. Have, Frank Rio's there. He's a killer. <laughs> He's Italian. What are you going to do? Italian. It's like, it's like Mickey Rourke. It's like Mickey Rourke in that, that famous movie from the 80s called um, The Fuck, uh, The Pope of Greenwich Village. And, and Daryl Hannah looks at Mickey Rourke and goes, When are you going to outgrow him? And he goes, Italians don't outgrow people, they outgrow clothes. And he walks away. I'm like, there it is. I was like, I'll never forget that. I remember watching going, that was a fucking mermaid. 
<laughs> from Splash. Yes, she was. And yes, she was. Uh-huh. Yes, she was. Guy's so. going to see this. Fuck. Never make a, never get a second chance to make a first impression. Get Sorry. him on get him on Sorry, the podcast. Frank Grillo. Get him on the podcast. Jesus Christ. You guys can My laugh fault. about it. He's a great interview. Oh yeah, I I follow it's him on best. social media. Yeah. He's got me trying to I want to try this Italian restaurant he eats at. And then it's my Italian restaurant. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. And Excuse then, me. We, that's our Italian restaurant. It's called Via Veneto. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's in Santa Monica. My fault. The best Italian food. Wow. I might yeah. have to get that for lunch We're today. We're dear friends with the owners, so we always promote it. But that place, really? is, that place is hands down best Italian food. It's, when Italian people come, when Italians come, they go, this is like, uh, for, it's like Rome. It's a, 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 the same but better than Rome. I'm like, that's right, motherfucker. And you're in Los Angeles. So wouldn't in Roma it would be Frank Grillo? Yes, no. Still be Grillo. 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 Frank Grillo. The Italians say Grillo. De le, la, la. Frank Grillo. No, 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 no. That's that's if you're in Spain. Grillo. Where was that? Fuck, we're in Italy. <laughs> we're in Rome. I said Roma. What the fuck is going on Where with this? Where was that? Yeah. I'll take you to Rome. I'll take you to Rome and in Madrid. Frank Madrid. Grillo. Madrid. And Grillo. It, Grillo. Frank. Where's the where's the, that name up? So I really here's the bad part. I apologize. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. And then I went, just own it. This whole time, here's I it. thought it was Frank. Don't worry, it's it, look, It's not your fault. Here's a trivia question: What city lisps when they speak? Saint Paul. Lisp. No, it's no. They lisp. Lisp. Yeah. Lithuania. <laughs> that's fucking good. That's a good guess. In America, Barcelona in Spain. Barcelona. Barcelona. They say Barcelona, and they use Barcelona. Yeah, and this is a part of the language. That's crazy. Yeah, you're welcome. That's crazy. Now that, now that's crazy. Now that's you crazy. Use that in warrior. The brothers. <laughs> these guys are brothers. These guys are brothers, and these guys are really hitting each other. There's no way this guy's winning this fight. This is no, this is a character choice. Uh, you know what happened? I would get fucking, I'd get canceled like 10 years after the fact for being offensive to people with lists. Did you have to audition for that part? Or was it offered to you? I, uh, it seemed like it was right up your alley. It was offered to me because I put the writer and the director together. Mm. Because the writer was a friend of mine who was a great writer, but nobody knew about. So I made the director read his writing, and then the rest is then they got together. They talk about this on the DVD. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Wow. But, I didn't they, see but, that. Then, but then they, because they were both friends, and then I put them together, and then they ended up writing together. Hmm. So that's why, as a gift, they gave me that part. They wanted Rogan. And I remember I text Rogan, I go, hey, they want you this movie, Ro Ro Warrior. And he goes, dude, unless it's a crazy amount of cash, I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, get, I said, well, how, do you have any advice for playing you? And he said, yeah, just take yourself completely out of the equation. Take yourself out of the, like, never mention what you think or how you feel. Mm. Just, just be a commentator. That was the best advice. That was, my, that was how I prepared for the role, everyone. Hmm. I played, I played was, I think I might have played Brian Callen. I don't know. I don't know what, my, what was my name in that? Somebody Announcer? Shirt up. What, was yeah. Brian, what was Brian Callen's name? I think I, I think I was I think I was literally Brian Callen. Yep, you were just Brian I was Brian Callen. Brian Callen, the warrior. Yeah, there you wow. Go. Yeah. Talk about going out on a limb. Yeah, dude. Yeah. What was Frank Grillo's name? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Frank Campania. Wow. Uh, this yeah, guy we, was really We don't step He outside. didn't want to forget shit. Nah. Nick Nolte's first name? Was it Nick? That's it. Why didn't Nick Patty. get a different first name? Because he was Irish. You gotta have an Irish name. Because Gavin's Gavin was Irish, Irish Italian. His what dad, about 
Colinas. Alvi Colina. Alvi Colina. Which is a, that really was from, weird, it's a weird name, right? That was right? from Kingdom, guys. Yeah. Frank that, Rio that, that, that I did audition for. But it helped that Frank called, and I knew the director, too. I'd have worked with the director. And I remember I, they, they, he was Armenian. So I did an Armenian. Do I know what an Armenian accent was? Mm -hmm. No, but I was doing it something like this. Is that sort of, I, I don't know. It's, it's, you can't really tell if I'm talking with an accent right now, but I'm sort of American, but I'm not. Every time I watch King, I just want to put down whatever I'm eating. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody's in shape. Everybody's in shape, bro. Including, including Brian Callen. What, was it like uh, was it like 300? Were they all those guys went through boot camp together? No, they just, not at all. Then they you they just were counting on them to be in shape. They when just they used up. a lot of like ex fighters or, or would be fighters or wanna be fighters as as background. But even the leads. Yeah, were all those in great guys shape. were all training all the time. Jesus they were Christ. working out. But you know who's who was the heavy set guy in that that was in the Richard Jewell movie? He's amazing. Yeah, he was so good he's, in Richard Jewell, he's, and he's a wonderful guy. What's that guy's name? Wonderful actor. The guy um, that was in Kingdom, and he also starred in Richard Jewell. Such a good actor. Um, the fuck is his name? He just texted me actually about he's three a good, weeks ago. He's a really good actor. Paul uh, Hauser. Yeah. Paul Hauser. Paul Walter. Hauser. Yeah, Paul. Paul. Great guy. Paul Hogier? A wonderful actor. He's so Hogier. good in that. You know, I never have, I've never seen, Kingdom? I haven't watched a lot of Kingdom. I don't watch the stuff I do because I hate my acting and I hate the way I look. Let me ask you this. Yeah. How'd you get Ride Along? The movie we was in that you don't remember. I did. I was asked to come and do the, the uh, I, was by, I think by James Lopez, who was an executive at Sony. He was a big fan of yours because he, he was bragging him. about you. I love that dude. And he, he, I think he saw me do stand-up or something. So he asked me to come and do the uh, reading and Tim Story was there, and you know, and Ice Cube, and it would, they were so cool to me. And the next thing I knew, I, I had the part because I did the reading. And, the table and reading? I, yeah, and I had known I, I love Kevin Hart, and mm -hmm. I I'd, I'd known him a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I love that guy, and I think you know, with the combination of just knowing those people. Yeah, um, I came off. Uh, it was funny. I came off thinking like a man. Let's just make this about me. Yeah, this is my podcast. Yeah, I got you. I came off thinking like a man, and uh, it was the same. Will was the producer. Tim was the director. Yeah, man. And James. And Will Packer's a great dude. He's the best. Oh, he's the best. Smart. That's yeah. another smart dude. And our kids, our kids are in college together right now. Really? Same dorm. Yeah, Will was, a, Will was an engineering degree. Huge Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Huge like Florida he takes, he takes that shit personally. Well, he got, he got a suite. He, he partnered with Gary Sheffield, and they got a suite because in Tampa, when the season started, mm. there was no fans, but the suite owners could come to the game. Damn. And he was like, yo, he, if you don't want to go to a game, I was like, well, it's kind of COVID, but hopefully yeah. Brady will be there next year. I'll take you up on it. <laughs> but, yeah, he just called and was like, I was literally, I had to cancel my weekend. It was like two days notice. Yo, yeah. what are you doing Thursday? I was like, uh, well, I got, I got a gig. He goes, well, I want you for this part, man. He goes, it's not big, but it'll stick out. Talking about yeah. me taking off my clothes. Yep, yep. He literally said, what are you looking like these days? I go, I don't know. He goes, send me a picture with your clothes off. <laughs> It's like what? So I said, butt naked, or can he give my shorts on? He was like, up to you, <laughs> bro. Yeah, I, I got a surreal story about that. That that when when I think that was when we were shooting that. That was when the terrible incident. I think this was when that guy came in and shot up, killed all those in, uh, uh, at Sandy Hook, killed all those those kindergartners. Well, that was 2012. Yeah, that I we shot looked it. that up, but I think that's pretty much when it happened. And so Will said. And I'm, I, this is no joke. We had a, that was the day we had this huge shootout in a warehouse. I don't know if you were there. I don't think you were. I was only there a couple days. Yeah. Well, we were in, we were shooting in Atlanta and we had this giant shootout and I'm telling you, bro, everybody had automatic weapons and guns and everything. And Will, who's a very classy man said, Hey, 
I think we ought to have a moment of silence for the people that passed, you know, and, and we should take a minute to think about this. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, Gary, I swear to God, it was so fucking weird because everybody had, some of the stuntmen, people had guns in their hands or the guns were all laid out and we all bowed our heads and took a minute to remember the victims mm-hmm. of this shooting. Wow. And when it was over, everybody went back and picked up their goddamn guns and we went and shot and the pyrotechnics were there. And it was just like that whole day was just grenades and guns and good, 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 good. And I just thought the irony of this shit, the fucking irony, the American love affair with weaponry. Wow. It was just a weird, it was a weird thing. But Will, as usual with his class and grace, kind of just brought us together for a second. Mm-hmm. I love I love that. I-, I had such an experience in that movie, like when when Lawrence Fishburne, another Hall of Famer. I spent all my time with that dude. Yeah. And uh he was Tim Tim Story's there and he's looking at the scene and he goes, uh we're walking through it. And and he goes, uh, you know the scene doesn't work, right? And t- <laughs> it's a million dollar day. And Tim goes, it doesn't work? And he goes, No. But we're gonna fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yes! And they fixed that shit. In oh, other words, classic. Fishburne walked in, Fish walked in, and he goes, look, man, it's all right. Well, you guys had a plan, but, you know, I've been doing this for since I was 14 on Apocalypse Now. Yeah. 14 years yeah. old. 14. Yeah. And he's, well, he was probably 60 at the time. That's we'll fix it. Well, fix I got it. you. Yeah. We'll fix it, because yeah. I know how to fix it, because I've been doing this for a couple minutes. Yeah. It was beautiful, man. That was a good experience. Is there anybody, I ask this to all my guests, is there anybody you haven't worked with that you want to work with if they like gave you a choice like brian count here's daniel day lewis christian bale meryl streep you know people that i that i I just don't know how they do what they do so when we okay it's funny you say daniel day lewis when we shot ride along remember bruce mcgill yeah was the chief of police yeah i remember he told me the story about lincoln yeah he's on lincoln and he died he tell you that one they had to switch the shooting schedule no daniel day lewis really died as lincoln Oh, Jesus. You know, this kind of shit drives me up a wall. He said he was living in the 1860s. He, the wouldn't, whole movie. he wouldn't answer questions. You can only talk to him about shit up to 1865. Yeah. I said, I said, so if you're in a scene and they're resetting the angles and it's just you and Daniel Day-Lewis, which there was, <laughs> I said, Bruce, what are you talking about? He, nah, goes, he goes, shit in the 1860s. I go, shut the fuck up. Do you know what he said to him? He said, I'm sorry about that mess in Cincinnati. Yeah. And and Daniel went, yes, yes. Well, it's uh, we're in a we're in a confrontal uh, there. Like, hey, bro, hey, bro. I ain't that guy. I can't hold a character that long. There's I get no bored. Way. You and I'd be like, fuck this, man, Dan. But you know, I had I had Joseph Sakura on. You know, um, Tommy from Power, yeah. and uh, yeah. he worked with Daniel Day Lewis on. Um, sh- uh, he worked. With, I'm sorry, he worked with Leonardo DiCaprio on Shutter Island. Mm. And he's Leo was talking about. Um, Gangs in New York. Yeah. And he said, Daniel had, he pulled his hamstring or his back out or something, right? But he, he was always in, he was always the butcher. And he's laying there and he's in pain. And he just broke character for a brief second. He goes, this is fucking hot, isn't it? <laughs> to Leo. That's and Leo, rare. Leo went, oh, fuck, he's still in there. He's still in there. Oh, shit. <laughs> but he was just laying there like in pain. This is fucking hot, isn't it? <laughs> he had that contact. He was wearing that top hat. Oh my and god, shit. he was ruthless in that movie. Dude, get yourself a good piece of meat on the way yeah. out. <laughs> he had that accent, that sort of New York accent. Yeah, it was you know, so that, good. That movie. Uh, and they had to hold that movie because um, that's when the the towers went down. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Gangs of New York was supposed to come out, and they go, "We got to hold it." That movie was fundamentally flawed because you cared more about the villain by far than than Daniel than. 
you know, our boy uh, Leonardo. Leonardo? Yeah. Oh, my God. You I just did. cared. I always wanted to see that dude. I, I wanted him to live. I wanted him to win, the villain. He was just too good. Oh. Get yourself on Savino who killed this poor defenseless bunny. And he bunny. looked like he really knew how to cut meat. He did. He went to butcher like, school. I was like, you, that Bro, guy knows how to cut a steak. He can cut a steak, he can box, and he can make shoes. You understand? He studied cobbling. He became a cobbler. And he discovered oil. And he discovered fucking, I'll drink your milkshake. Yeah. Killed that guy with the dang bowling pin. You, you know what he said? He said the reason I prepare like that as an actor is because I'm basically ashamed of being a middle-class Englishman. Hmm. And, and that's what Christian Bale said. I lose all this weight. I do all this shit because I wear makeup and make believe. And it doesn't make me feel like a man. So I need a challenge. So, mm -hmm. okay. He was the first one I heard going a rant. Talking about Tom Cruise going on a rant. Oh, yeah. Last month. Yeah. Oh. Man. Those guys are intense. Can you imagine being in a scene with him the next scene? You good? <laughs> I did I'd have to break the tension. I like, did a hey, reading Tom, with him. I did good. a reading with Tom Cruise. I spent oh, really? six hours with him. And then I spent an hour and a half talking to him at a party. <laughs> like I wanted to be friends with him to the point where I'm a straight man but I was so starstruck I was like if that guy tried to kiss me I might let him you know what I mean <laughs> I know it with Joe Burrow the you know quarterback I mean? for the Bengals same thing right <laughs> you know what I mean sometimes you can be like so starstruck by a dude you want to be friends with him so badly you're like yeah. I mean I might get a little gay yeah. <laughs> hey. I cuddle I mean I cuddle I, I, you want a spoon I mean if nobody was looking I might yeah. kiss you for about 10 minutes <laughs> ah that's all I'm not going to use my tongue let's but... hold each other yeah <laughs> Yeah. All right, this just got weird. I didn't know it was going to end this way. Got to end on a gay note, bro. Yeah. <laughs> got to end on a gay well, note. Well, thanks. What's the, um, what's the name of that restaurant? Via Veneto. Let me, I, I'm about to drop a new podcast. You are going to be on it, too. It's called Callan and Company. Maybe. I'm hard to work with. Oh, shit. You are hard to work with. We'll, we'll get you in, though. I have a green room. Me and Steve Byrne. Me and Steve Byrne. You like Steve Byrne. I want to I wanna be on with Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo <laughs> will be there. Have him on. I'll make a call for you. I'll get him on. For really? Real. Yeah. Yeah. He'd like you. He's great. <laughs> My guest this week is Frank Grillo. My guest is Frank Grillo, everyone. <laughs> I come and see him. I'm going to have Italian food delivered in the yeah. middle of the podcast. I'll, we should go to Via Venice. When are you, you coming back to L.A.? Uh, I do this every couple weeks, every three weeks. Hit me up and I'll bring you. Okay. Well, when shit opens up, is it open? You got to get the go right now, right? Bro, everybody needs a vaccine. I don't know how long we're shut down. I'm uh, done. I'm done uh, with this shit. I plug a date, but I can't remember where I'm going to be. Oh, that's Miami, February 4th, 5th, and 6th at the Improv. Have you done that? Mm -hmm. I hear that's kicking. It's dope. Come see me in Miami, February 4th, 5th, and 6th. If and I um, tell people to go, you're going to have a huge black audience. Do now, you want that? Now, I do want, want go that. Go see Brian Callen, February 4th, 5th, and 6th at the Miami Improv. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and I'm, I'll bring all my black material, all my racial yeah. material. <laughs> my, my audience is pretty mixed. Is it? Yeah. What do you mean, brown hair and blonde hair? Yeah, just no blonde <laughs> hair, blue eyes, but from different parts of Sweden. I got a lot of black hair fans. <laughs> People of color and indigenous. Yeah. I yeah. need more indigenous. <laughs> how's your indigenous? Uh, how's your First Nation audience? I'm working on it. All right. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, thanks for coming on, man. God bless, brother. All right. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>